Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Today's episode of the All Angels podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like SportsDrink without the vowels. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Sit normally. High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! And it's gone! He went to Garrett! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels, baseball, and you listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia, and we continue our AL West preview with the defending AL West champions, Houston Astros. Obviously, the Astros had a really great year last year. Ever since their kind of cheating scandal, they've, they've been very polarizing, I've, I've found, in just baseball fandom in general. But regardless of what you think about them, they do produce winners, and they have been able to produce a winning team over the last handful of years. Obviously, the biggest question that the Astros have coming into this season was, who's going to replace Carlos Correa? And on this episode, I talked to Rob Fontenot of the Astros Baseball Podcast about his thoughts about that and how's their depth, how's their pitching, a whole bunch of stuff. So make sure you stay here and check it out. We continue our tour around the AL West, this time with the AL West defending champions, Astros. And my guest is a host of the Astros Baseball Podcast, Rob Fontenot. How are you doing today? Doing good, buddy. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I mean, baseball is right around the corner. We're talking about it less than a week away. And I don't know about you. But if you were to tell me that, you know, two months ago, I would have said you're probably lying. Yeah, I I, I thought it was going to take them till June to get this thing going. And then <laughs> yeah. out of the blue, we got we a season. Pretty exciting. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, everything's going good. Again, a lot of these camps, uh, a lot of these spring training camps are now breaking. We are getting guys. The rosters are now coming into full, uh, full picture. You can see who's going to make it and stuff like that. So. I want to talk to you a little bit first about last year. You guys made it all the way to game six of the World Series, losing to, obviously, the uh, Atlanta Braves. What last year worked well for you guys, and what propelled you to there, uh, seeing that you guys didn't have Verlander for a long uh, stretch of that season? Well, our starting pitching, even without him, was good. I mean, in 2020, a lot of the young guys like Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia, who – 
Last year was up for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Jose Urquidy. I mean, we just have we have a lot of good young guys, you know, that came out of nowhere. Because 2020, they just, you know, yanked them out of A ball and uh, put them in the bullpen. So they all got a lot of work, and uh, they're all pretty good. And then our offense, our offense is just, you know, a juggernaut. I mean – you have the batting champion, Yuli Gurriel, batting seventh. I mean, you've, you've got a pretty <laughs> strong lineup. Yeah, I mean, like I said, 95 wins, win the division, get to the World Series. So now kind of going into this season, obviously the two main takeaways from the offseason is obviously number one and the biggest one is Correa is no longer with the Astros. When he was um, – doing his free agency thing and there's rumors about him coming back for the Astros for like a year or a couple years. Uh, did you find those rumors to be not true, but just uh, like it could happen, like as a possibility? Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, when this, when we knew he was hitting free agency, I thought 0%, 0% he's coming back. He's, he's going to want 10 years. He's going to want the largest contract in baseball or close to it. And he's not going to get it with the Astros. So I figured he was gone. But then later on in free agency, they started talking about Jim Cranes getting involved. You know, so it's like, uh-oh. And so we started hearing rumors that things were happening. And I think I actually predicted on my podcast that that he's it's a done deal. He's coming. I mean, I had a lot of confidence. And then, you know, like everybody knows, out of the blue – Signed some weird three-year deal with opt-outs <laughs> with, with the Minnesota Twins, Twins of all teams. And I think it's just – I don't know if you were going to ask me that, but I think it's just he didn't get the deal he wanted. He found a team that would pay him – you know, he, he made a schedule where he would be the highest paid infielder. Right. That's why he had added the extra 300000 but I think he just wanted to get paid. He wanted to have those outs. And he's, we're going to go. Th- I think he's going to opt out and go through this again and see what Boris can get him next season. Yeah, I agree with him. If he has a healthy Korea season, because I know with him, his biggest issue has always been the health, his back. So yeah. if he has a healthy Korea type season, yeah, I can definitely see him opting out, doing this all over again. And then if. If the back does flare up and he misses a significant part of the of, of the season, then he has a, a a cushion to fall back on. You opt in, you do it all over again. So that is definitely something to look out for for next year. Maybe he does work his way back to the Astros. But for the 2022 season, where do you think the Astros find not only a replacement at shortstop, but where do you think they find the production? Where they where they gonna look for other guys to to kind of pick up their level to kind of fill in the gaps for home runs, RBIs, and all that stuff? Well, to me, what I had heard, you know, they picked up uh, Nico Goodrum, and we have Aledmus Diaz. They're both utility guys, and what I was hearing at the beginning is that those guys are gonna platoon, and one of them is his strengths are against left-handed batters. I mean, pitchers, and the other guy's strengths against right-handed. Uh, pitcher so they were going to platoon but then all of a sudden I mean it's Jeremy Pena I mean we thought maybe he'd start in triple uh, a and then get his shot later in the year but I think they're sold on it I mean he's I think he's hitting 333 in spring training which I mean not a lot of probably not a lot of numbers but 
Right. <laughs> uh, but defensively, we're not missing much. I mean, he's really, really good uh, at shortstop. But as far as offensive numbers, there's really nobody to take those offensive numbers that he's losing unless you look at Alex Bregman. He missed like 40-something right. games last season. The last two years, he struggled with injuries, and he wasn't the Alex Bregman who finished second in the MVP race in 2019 behind your boy, uh, Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was that good last year or the year before he wasn't injured, that's a big difference. So let's say he comes back to his 2019 form. There's there's the gap right there. Yeah, you know, obviously Correa was such a huge part of that offense. It, it does seem like you're going to have to have like a Bregman step up a little bit, maybe Altuve step up a little bit, you know, Brantley and all these guys kind of do it just a little bit more to kind of make up for um, the loss of Correa. So the other big loss or just a loss in general, I don't, I don't know how you consider it if it's big or not, but was that Granky going back to the Kansas City Royals? How big of a loss is that? You mentioned some of the younger pitchers you guys have already contributing. So is that loss as big than maybe just losing a name? No, I don't think it's that big of a loss at all. Uh, he's not, he's not, I mean, everybody loves Zach Grinky. I mean, I wish he could have stayed, but I mean, I don't know. There's just really nowhere for him. Cause if you're trying to stay under that salary cap, not the salary cap, but you know what I the mean? The tax, the, they're the, trying to the stay artificial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to stay under that tax threshold. They have all these, you know, pitchers in the, in the rotation making minimum wage practically. Right. And, uh, they 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 really there really isn't anywhere for him, uh, but as far as being a character, yeah, we're gonna miss him. I mean, he, if if he's on your team, be ready for some amazing interviews, and he, he's just cool sitting out out in, outside, uh, you know, in the COVID year when there's no yeah, when he was like out. three rows up in the in the uh, yeah in the stadium. Yeah, I remember that with the cutouts, sitting like he's doing yoga. I mean, he's just he's so cool. So you have a lot of young pitchers, like you mentioned. Um, you know, my biggest thing, and I guess this is with every team, you know, injuries are so hard to predict. You can't really sit here and say that team's going to be completely healthy, you know, the whole way through because it very rarely happens to anybody. If there's an injury at some point for one of these young pitchers, is there a guy or, or uh, that's like on the brink in AAA where if something happens, he'll get called up and he shouldn't miss any, uh, he shouldn't have a, too big of a learning curve. I think Hunter Brown's ready to go. He's the Astros' top pitching prospect. And also, you look back, I don't know, it seems like 20 years ago, they drafted Forrest Whitley, <laughs> you know, and he's still not up. But he's mm-hmm. he said he's, you know, he had Tommy John. He's ready to go. But Hunter Brown is the guy to look, look forward to this year to make an impact. But if you look at the rotation, we have Lance McCullers out. And I don't know how long he's going to be out. So, and then, uh, but also in the bullpen, we have, uh, what's his name? I know his name, but Christian Javier. Christian Javier is, is a viable starter for any team, but he, there's just nowhere to put him. But, you know, if somebody gets hurt, that's the next man up. And how do you, uh, what? Go ahead. No, go ahead. 
No, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> how do you? How comfortable do you feel with this rotation now that obviously Verlander's back? He looks like, um, at least oh, initially, yeah. looks like back to his old self. Um, how do you feel about this rotation going into the season? Do you feel like it's one of the best ones in the West? Do you feel like it's one of the best ones in the in the league in general? Like, how do you feel about your your rotation? I feel good about it. I mean, a lot of people overlook Jake Odorizzi, you know, because last season he started late and, and uh, you know, he didn't get a full spring training. I mean, they didn't get one this year either. Uh, he's pitched one one game so far, spring training, two scoreless innings. I mean, he's a really good pitcher. I mean, in 2021, his ERA was 421. In 2020, it was 659. But if you go before that, he was 351. So he's a former all-star. And I think he's really good. He was doing very good at the end of the season last year. You know, he pitched five innings and only give up one run. And he had this battle, you know, with management, you know, let me pitch five innings, more than five innings, because after five innings, it would take him out no matter how well he was doing. And they're like, nope, the numbers say <laughs> after five, you're no good. But I, I think people are overlooking him. So you got Verlander, which we didn't have a real – Justin Verlander type starter, where if you're like, okay, Verlander's pitching today, we're going to win. Like you feel like you're going to win that game. And so we have that. We have Jake Odorizzi, uh, Framber Valdez. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's awesome. And he's, he's the number three pitcher, but they have this uh, as the rotation. They have JV starting the third game. Right. I remember that. I remember because that was the big thing. Because obviously, if you don't know, um, Astros come to Anaheim to open up on Thursday. And the big, what everyone was hoping for was Verlander versus Otani in the opening day um, game. But yeah, then, then Dusty came out and, and said that he wasn't starting opening day. Yeah. So I saw that too. I was like, oh, we start against the Angels. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Verlander goes, Otani, what, right. an, what an opening yeah. day game. But he's actually going to be third. So it's going to be Valdez, Odorizzi, and then JV. So that'll be our opening three star. We play all three times, right? We start yeah. out together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it worked out great because um, it's funny too because I talked to guys from the from the Mariners and guys from the uh, A's, and because of the delayed season, th those two series got pushed back because originally it was supposed to be A's, Seattle, and then um, home against Houston. Now. Those guys, we don't see them for like a month and a half, it seems like. And Houston is uh, starts, starts the season out in Anaheim, which, again, back to where I started, is just glad that there's going to be a season in general. Yeah, we had six games at home to open the season. Oh, okay. We had three against the Phillies and three against the Yankees. And the Phillies games got added to the end of the year. And the Yankees, won one week in July, there's a doubleheader double on Thursday, right, on All-Star Week. Yeah. And then the other one, they just threw it in somewhere. I don't I don't know exactly where it is. Yeah, that's one thing too about with the beginning of the schedule or what was supposed to be the schedule. Now you have to kind of figure out, okay, you know one series at the end, but now you gotta figure out where those double headers are gonna be at or just if they make them up on mutual off days kind of thing. So yeah, uh, schedule's gonna be weird this year, but you know, one sixty two is one sixty two. Let me talk about our next sponsor, Colorcast. Colorcast is a live audio only sports talk platform free to download and free to use talk to fans athletes and interact in real time perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and reacting to breaking news 
Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. Let me talk about Athletic Greens real quick. I take Athletic Greens. It is something that I take every morning. And guess what? It's easy to drink, which for me, that's number one. It's not like all your other vitamin powders that have that real earthy taste to it. This is very easy to drink, which makes it easy for me to take every day. All it takes is a single scoop and water every day, cold water. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a full year supply for free with your first purchase. That's immune supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take your ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. Your outfield, you know, one guy that I, I saw play last year, um, Kyle Tucker, I really liked him. He he seemed like he'd be a really good young player, and it seems like you guys are just fairly young in general. Talk about Kyle Tucker a little bit. Oh, Kyle Tucker's amazing. Uh, they brought him up the first time, didn't do very well at all. Went back to uh, – I, I mean, they, they didn't really call him up. He was a September call-up. Mm, okay, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't do very well. And I actually had the, uh, the pleasure of, of interviewing him when he was in AAA – and I, you know, I asked him, what would you do differently if you get another chance? He said, I wouldn't do anything different. And, and that was kind of crazy to me because he didn't do very well. But then the next time he came up, he did awesome. And I think he's been up ever since. And last year he was so good. And I don't think a lot of people realize this, but he was second team all MLB. Right. No, he had a I really mean, good, I, he I mean, had a good year. Yeah, he's really, really good. And But I don't think a lot of people know that. And that's okay to me. That's okay by me there. Yeah, we'll, he definitely we'll snuck up, up on, on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he definitely did that for, for myself. I'm sure a lot of Angels fans snuck up on some people. So we'll see how it goes this year because he's kind of almost losing that little sneakiness. But, um, you know, your, your offense, you mentioned, is, is going to be a big power uh, or was a big power last year. But, you know, Guriel is getting older, 37 years old. He won the batting title last year. Um, is it kind of one of those things where we're going to kind of you know, uh, ride the wagon until the wheels fall off kind of deal? Or is there someone that could possibly fill in for him if he does at some point show his age? Yeah. I was hoping you'd bring that up. That's my favorite <laughs> player, Yuli Gurriel. He's 37 and he came into camp 15 pounds lighter. And and on Instagram, not Instagram, but Twitter, he showed a picture of him from the back and you can see the transformation. He already has three home runs in spring training. So imagine that, 37 right. years old, and he's going to be better. And he won the batting title and oh, a gold glove, and he's going to be better this year. So when you asked about offensive production, I wanted to throw that in there too, that we'll probably get a little more, at least I think more home runs and RBIs from Yuli Gurriel. Yeah, he, he's a guy that is one of those kind of – like freaks of nature where, like you said, he's 37 years old. He's still contributing at a very high level. And then you have guys that are maybe like 34, 33. They're like, you can see the decline and you're just kind of figuring yourself, man, this guy is doing something totally. He's a totally different kind of animal. Cause like I said, he's yeah. almost, he's pushing, he's almost pushing 40 at this point. Um, so the Astros again, have this winning 
kind of history now uh, as of recently when you know the the, the Altuves, the Bregmans and, and Correa when he was there kind of came through the system. How is that system kind of looking now that you know you guys are winning more so that means you guys are getting you know the the 28th, 29th, 30th pick in the drafts. How is your yeah. your farm system kind of looking as a whole? I think our farm system is very underrated. I'm not sure exactly how they're able to rank. I don't know how they do the ranking. It's just all guessing. guessing. Yeah. Because Forrest Whitley used to be in the top 10. He hasn't even, you know, he's been in the minor leagues like five years already, and he hasn't <laughs> made it up. But, I mean, we have another uh, Cuban, Pedro Leon. And I, I think Dusty Baker actually wanted him to be the starter in center field this year. Last year, they were working him out at shortstop. So we're thinking maybe he would be Carlos. You know, they were grooming him to be Carlos Cray's replacement. You know, he was an international signee. He was. They they paid him four million bucks. He's good, and uh, he's he's definitely in the future. The Astros are really really good at getting these international guys, especially from Cuba, because of Yuli Gurriel. Mm. You know, that's they they all want to come here. So we have him. We have Hunter Brown as a pitcher. Um, who else is coming up? That's good. I really can't think of any right now, but, uh, you, you asked about replacement at first base. One of them is supposed to be Taylor Jones and he start, he's going to start out the season on the injured list. He just hurt his back. So obviously we know what they can do. Well, we know the names, you know, like I mentioned, Bregman, Altuve, Guriel, um, Verlander, all those guys. But if you had to sit here and think of a weakness that, uh, the Astros have that maybe at the trade deadline they would have to kind of look at to try to you know uh, fortify. What what kind of weakness would that be? Probably a bullpen, because right now as they they're breaking camp, they don't even know. I mean, they don't even know who who's going to take these spots. I was taking a look at it before. You know, they got Presley and Stanek, and they they got uh, Naris who came out from Philadelphia. Phil Maton last year had a bad regular season, but postseason he was amazing. Uh, Pedro Baez, who, who was supposed to make a big splash last year, his velocity is way down, but he hasn't allowed any runs yet. But then you get to Montero. He arrived late. Uh, Brandon Belak. Then you got Adam Morgan, who's a non-roster invitee, who I don't even know who that is. Zach <laughs> Roscup. And then, you know, one one name that I keep hearing is uh, Ronel Blanco. But, you know, the, the, the beat writer for the Astros don't have him uh, making the opening day roster. But I definitely see if they end up making any kind of moves, it's going to be in the bullpen. That's what they did last year as well. Yeah, I think that's a lot of teams in general that always seem to have want to fortify the bullpen. It doesn't seem like you can ever have too many bullpen arms to throw out there, especially if uh, a pitcher only goes five or six innings. So I've been asking um, everyone that I've talked to on here, and you guys, you know, you guys being already World Series champs, you guys are always going to the World Series, won the division a couple times, but for this season, you know, if the Astros finish this sentence. If the Astros, the Astros are going to be competing in September if blank happens. Mm. 
taking away health. Obviously, health is the the main key for every team. But taking away that, what what will need to go right for them to compete in September? If if you're asking if they're going to make the playoffs, oh, I'm sure they are. I'm just saying, like, to get that push to the to World Series, oh. they're going to have to. I think uh, JV is definitely going to have to be the JV he was. Lance McCullers comes back healthy, you know, probably a couple months into the season. We got those two guys pumping at the playoffs. We got Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, you know, Bregman. If we got offense rolling, uh, if Jeremy Pena has stepped up, I mean, defensively he's there. Offensively he's probably not there. But maybe by then he is. And the Astros, you know, went out and get some good bullpen pieces. We'll be there. So, obviously, the the, the team last year that was kind of nipping at the heels uh, of the Astros with 90 wins, only five games back, was the Seattle Mariners, which were kind of sneaky, I think, to a lot of people. You see what they have as far as young players and and obviously adding Robbie Ray in, in, in the starting rotation. Is that the obviously it's probably the biggest you think the biggest competition for the Astros for the division this year? I think so. I think it's between them and the Angels. I mean, to me, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but it seems like the Angels, when they spend money, they spend it on offense. Yeah. Except this year you got, you know, you got Noah Syndergaard, right? Syndergaard, yeah. So that's the only time I've really seen you guys spend money. And I was on a radio station one time and they asked me, if I was in charge of the A's, I mean, the Angels, what would I do with Otani? If Would you let him, you know, be a hitter all the time or pitch him? And I, would, I said, I would make him pitch all the I would make him a full-time pitcher because they never have pitching. And that's what keeps him. I think that's what holds the Angels back. So the way the Mariners played last year and how young they are, you need to be scared of them. Not the A's at all, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they gave up on life yeah the a's uh rc are in a retooling stage um still have a couple of those pitchers that are kind of scary but other than that offensively you have to kind of figure out where they're going to get the offensive production from in oakland yeah. i can see a lot of you know three to one games that oakland drops because they're just not able to produce enough runs and in, in, in key situations so Another question I've been asking people, too, is that uh, fantasy baseball, obviously a lot of people are having fantasy drafts either this weekend or leading up to opening day. So if there is a sleeper, a young guy that is maybe underneath the radar a little bit, who would you think is the best kind of sleeper in the uh, Astros organization? Wow. Um, man, I, I would almost call Yuli Gurriel a sleeper, but, you know, it's hard to. It's hard to call him that because there's a lot of big name first basemen, right? And I don't think he would be one of the because if you if you notice they had a uh, a top ten first baseman on MLB Network and right. he wasn't mm -hmm. on it, right? And as Astro fans were like, <laughs> how how do you win the batting title and have a Gold Glove and not be one of the top ten first basemen? So I would no, say he he would be a sleeper because people are sleeping on him, and that would make sense too because like. Like I mentioned before, his age, maybe people are anticipating some kind of uh, uh, regression to the mean almost. So, yeah, I can definitely see him being a sleeper as far as people just not thinking last year sustainable because of his age and because of, you know, obviously the wear and tear this season takes. But, um, yeah, he can definitely be a sleeper, especially if you're in the late rounds and, and you need a, a first baseman to get, you know, obviously average is a category that a lot of fantasy 
yeah. leagues have, and Hughes definitely can get you that for sure. If you look at our roster, there's it's hard to find a sleeper. Right. I mean, it would have to be the new center fielder, or it would have to be the new shortstop because everybody else, you know, is, is is yeah, it's pretty known. And like we mentioned before, Kyle Tucker kind of had his coming out party last year, so I don't even know necessarily yeah. if you can qualify him as a sleeper. If it was last year. And we had this whole conversation. I would say, yeah, Kyle Tucker can definitely be a sleeper because I'm not sure a lot of people knew exactly what he could could bring to the major leagues. And like you said, he had a really great year last year. So, yeah, Rob, I want to thank you again for jumping on and helping me preview the Astros. If any Angel fans want to listen to your podcast, obviously the opening weekend, Astros come to town and being division opponents we see them plenty throughout the year and if they want to listen to your podcast when the angels are in town or angels are playing tell them how they do that well you just uh look up astros baseball on all the platforms wherever you listen to it it's on there awesome rob thank you very much and thank you again for uh taking some time out and talking astros baseball all right thanks buddy i appreciate you having me on and again, I want to thank Rob Fontenot from the Astros Baseball Podcast for jumping on and helping me preview the Astros 2022 season. So a little look behind the curtain, if you will. Um, wasn't expecting to talk about this at all today. I am actually recording this Saturday morning. Um, you can be listening to this on Monday or Tuesday or, or something, but I recorded this on Saturday morning. And maybe 20 minutes before I pushed the record button to talk to Rob, the news came out with um, Justin Upton being DFA'd by the Angels. Now, we are planning to have a kind of a, you can call it a super preview, if you will, with the guys from Super Halo Bros and Andrew from the um, Angels Top Plays on Instagram. So we're planning to do like a two-part preview series. And so from there, we're probably going to talk about how you know, we were planning to talk about how Upton's going to fit into all this and where he split time with who he splits time with and how his spring's gone. But now we don't have to worry about that, I guess. Um, Justin Upton DFA this morning um, by the Angels, very reminiscent of what they did with Albert Pujols, except Albert at least got a little bit of um, work during the season to kind of see if he can prove that he is capable of um, producing something, but the angels didn't wait that long. Obviously they have their last game today as I record in Tempe, um, on Saturday, then Sunday, they are playing in angel stadium against the Dodgers. And then Monday, Tuesday against the Dodgers at Dodger stadium. And then Wednesday's off and then boom, Thursday, we are full go. So like I said, maybe 30 minutes before I started this podcast, news came out about, um, Justin Upton being DFA'd. So if you're not sure what that means in this situation is that Justin Upton's DFA'd by the Angels. Now he goes through waivers. And any team can pick him up in the waiver process. But if they pick him up now, they also have to take his contract. And Justin Upton has one year left at $28 million for this year. Now, like Albert, what I... I'm guessing it's going to happen that he's going to clear waivers. No one's going to claim him for that price tag. At that point, the angels are now on the hook for all $28 million for this season. Justin Upton can then sign with anyone he wants, any team that is interested in signing him 
for the league minimum. And that league minimum will be taken out of the $28 million the Angels owe him. So he Angels can actually end up technically owing him like $27.2 million or something like that. So obviously not a huge uh, savings there, but that's kind of how it works out. So like Albert last year when he went to the Dodgers, Upton is going to have a choice of where to go. And I guess, you know, does he go for a ring? Does he go to a situation that fits him best as far as playing time and all stuff? That stuff is yet to be seen, yet to be known. We'll f- see how that goes. But huge news, Justin Upton being DFA'd Saturday morning um, by the Angels with $28 million left on his contract for this one year. Also, with that being done, a lot of people have asked myself and I think a lot of different fan sites and, and podcasts and stuff like that, what's going on with Ty Buttry? Well, he was on the restricted list. Now that Upton has been DFA'd, they can now reinstate uh, Ty Buttry onto the 40-man roster, taking Upton's spot, but they have optioned him to Triple A, so he will not be making uh, the team out of camp for the Angels. But obviously, stuff happens during the year. Injuries happen. Usage happens. You know, there is a good chance you probably will see him at some point in the majors this year. It just won't be at the beginning. So there's that little bit of news that I was not expecting to happen as I push record on our preview of the Astros. So a lot more coming up. Again, like I mentioned before, we are planning to do a uh, Super Angels preview podcast, if you will. Um, first part of it should be coming out Tuesday. Uh, that will be here on the All Angels podcast. The second part of that preview will be coming out on the Super Halo Bros podcast on Wednesday. So if you have not started to follow those guys either on social media or on their podcast, Super Halo Bros, definitely do that now so you don't miss any of the predictions and we're going to break down positions and all that stuff to get ready for the season on thursday so until then i am daniel garcia and this has been another edition of the all angels podcast Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.